You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. Love it. Love the musical selection today. Very patriotic. Tom Bauer, Joe Leo producing Tom. We got, what, three commercial breaks left? You got three more songs in the queue? Uh, I got one right now. I'm still trying to think of two more. I know Scouring? One... What's up? You're scouring right now for those other two? Scouring for the other two. I know one that we're gonna that's gonna take us home and then I'm just looking for two more. All right. Like a good firework spectacular. He's got the grand finale all locked in. Scouring for two more patriotic songs like the Knicks are scouring for their next superstar. We'll get back to that conversation in just a moment. Just wanna reset the baseball story today. Uh, Yanks and Cardinals are about to get going in St. Louis. Game three of their three-game series. Garrett Cole against the former Yankee Jordan Montgomery. Yanks won game two of yesterday's doubleheader after getting pummeled in game one. And we haven't had a lot of time to talk Yankees today, but Luis Severino is officially a concern for the Yankees since his first two starts off the injured list were very good. Five of his last six starts have been bad, and most of them extremely bad. Yankees are 46 and 37. Their high watermark this season was 11, most recently at 36 and 25. Uh, if they win today, they're back to 10 games above 500. And the brightest spot for the Yankees right now is Anthony Volpe. In case you have been so wrapped up in NBA free agency, you haven't noticed what the Yankees rookie shortstop is doing. He is on a six-game hitting streak. He's been on base 11 straight games, and he has five straight multi-hit games. And his average is all the way up to 220. It wasn't that long ago that this kid's average was in the 170s, 180s. He's already up to 220. It seems like, especially on this road trip, it seems like it's starting to click for Anthony Volpe, which is a great sign. Uh, Mets finally snapped their three-game losing streak yesterday, beating the Giants 4-1. to A terrific pitching performance by Justin Verlander, who's been much better lately. Overall, the numbers aren't awful, 3-4, 3.66 on the season for Verlander, but he hasn't allowed an earned run in either of his last two starts. And since the start of June, Verlander's now got a 2.65 ERA in six starts, and he has struck out 33 batters in 34 innings, an indication that he is returning to his dominant ways. Max Scherzer has also been much better. His last three starts, he's pitched 20 innings to a 2.25 ERA while striking out 25 batters. It is going to be a severely uphill climb for the Mets to get back into playoff contention in the National League. Uh, this team will go as far as Verlander and Max Scherzer, and the lineup takes them. And Verlander and Scherzer have to be at least as good as they have been over the last few weeks and probably still better than that. And pretty much they need more from everyone in the lineup except for Brandon Nimmo and Tommy Pham. Nimmo and Pham are fine. They've given you what you could expect, but they need more from Alonzo. And look, Alonzo's been off the injured list now for two weeks, okay? so And I know he came back a lot earlier than expected, but he's been back for two weeks now. So you need to... If you're going to be in the lineup every day in that spot as the anchor, we need to see more production from Alonzo. Lindor has been better lately, but you still need a lot more from him. You need a ton more from McNeil, from Marte, from Canna, and even Alvarez. And Alvarez got off to the hot start, and then he slumped. But because he's a rookie, we gave him a little pass. Big home run yesterday. He's got 13 on the season, tying the Met rookie record for a catcher. So hopefully that starts a little bit of a hot streak for him. The Mets have a chance to win their weekend series against the Giants. It's tonight at 7 o'clock at City Fields. 
Uh, it'll be David Peterson for the Mets against Ross Stripling. And you could hear that game right here on 98.7 ESPN New York tonight. Our coverage beginning at 6 p.m. All right, let's go back to our NBA conversation and our conversation about the Knicks and their offseason moves so far. And we go back to Omar in Brooklyn. Omar, how you doing? Omar, are you there? Uh, yes, how are you? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Okay, I want to ask here. Now we have seen the scenarios. I agree with you. Drafting has been a problem. This regime has been very good in drafting. Um, my point of view is, uh, like, rather than a superstar, here, here is the, the latest formula. The Lakers have been to the two NBA uh, finals uh, and have won the title, and they have not drafted well at all. So uh, there is another example that has the team that has not drafted, but they get all the free agents in the market and uh, big-time free agents, and uh, they won the championship in the bubble, and then they went to the Western Conference Finals this year. And uh, even they have a bad record during the season, but uh, this is an example of the team. But majority of the uh, thing is that you have to draft well, and then you get a, a trade-in superstar, uh, uh, the player that you need to do it, and uh, you win a championship majority of it. Here, uh, the, another scenario is Denver Nuggets. Or uh, last two years, have been not healthy. Uh, they drafted a, a player, Michael Porter Jr., who was uh, two years missed because of his back injury, but they take a risk on it, and uh, they got their uh, availability and get a championship. Now they got healthy this year, and uh, they brought in Bruce Brown and uh, solid role players, and they went on to win the championship. Right. Next, this year, against Miami, as people will say, or oh, the three players, that everybody says are good players and they have drafted well. Iman quickly injured during that series. Quinton Grime injured during that series. Julius Randle horribly injured during that series. And still we went on a game six and the ball in the super uh, superstar hand, the, our closer in hand, and he made a turnover. Yes. So that, 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 was, that, that was where the series is lost. As now we go through Miami Heat, even they get... Uh, Post on the I, I'm agree with you, Damian Lillard, the two the two point guards and they hide everybody who can shoot over them and that's not a good combination. So Damian Lillard is out of the rotation. Here it is my point on Jeremy Grant. We lost Obi Toppin, backup power forward. We are good on guards. We are good on small forwards. What we need is a backup power forward or a center position to score some points because they, uh, defensively they are good. The offensively, you need a center to score at some times so we can keep the defense on us. Uh, Jeremy Grant, Portland signing that. Jeremy Grant signed. Omar, yeah, give, me, give, me, give me a name. Who do you want? Grant from Portland Trailblazers. Tell them that you don't need it. You are rebuilding. David Lillard is going. They don't need that three years, $150 million. We are still under the salary cap. Fournier for Grant and give them one first-round pick or two first-round picks. And bring in Grant. He can play backup power forward. Julius Randle goes to the bench. He can play five, and you need scoring. Here, your sometimes closing team is Jeremy Grant, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Quinton Grimes, or Divincenzo and Brunson. You can shoot the lights out. Defensively, this team is good. Offensively, you can play with Eric. Got it. Yes, Philadelphia. Thank you. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Thank you. Omar, thank you. I hate to cut him off, but you know. You got to come up against a commercial break in about 15 minutes. Uh, look, 
Grant is about to sign a thirty-plus million-dollar contract. Um, he, I think that's a little too rich to pay for a backup power forward. Just a little. Um, let me see. I'm all distracted trying to get Omar off the phone. My goodness. Um, look, the Knicks, the Knicks minutes at backup power forward. The Obi Toppin trade proved one thing, that, and and I've said this over and over again. The backup power forward. The Knicks' success isn't swinging on those 14 minutes a game. Randall plays 35 minutes a game, okay? So we're talking, we're, we're getting all bent out of shape over 13 minutes a game. By the way, if I'm Jeremy Grant, I don't know if he actually signed his contract uh, before Damian Lillard requested his trade, but if I were Jeremy Grant and I had an agreement for that contract and I heard Lillard wanted to request the trade, I am sprinting to get my signature on that contract as quickly as I can because once you break it down and ship Damian Lillard out of town, paying Jeremy Grant 30-plus million dollars a year doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I guess they could probably get away with it because they wouldn't be paying Lillard anymore. But anyway, we've already spent too much time, way too much time, talking about Jeremy Grant. Let's go to Steve in the car. Hey, Steve. Hey, what's up, Pat? So, first and foremost, I always appreciate the pregame uh, with the Knicks. But, um, but yeah, so talking about the regime, I honestly think the regime has been great. I think the one thing we need to have is just patience at this point. You know, going back to the OB, tra- OB draft, I think anyone who thought that our New York Knicks player development would turn Julius Randle to a, an all-NBA player the next year would, should be, you know, I don't know, winning the lotto or something because you need to be psychic to do that, right? Our, our draft picks have been, I think, solid the last couple of years. The one thing that we need to do at this point is just have patience. Our arc is going up to another year. No one out there right now is going to make us a championship winner. We just need to have patience, wait for the right player to develop, continue to develop our players. The only player I would want if we had an opportunity without losing too much draft capital would be to trade maybe like a R.J. Barrett for uh, – a Paul George and sit another year, see who becomes available. We still have quickly. We still have a bunch of draft picks. A lot of people like quickly around the league. We have a bunch of draft picks there that we could still trade for a star player, whether it's an Embiid or a Donovan Mitchell. You know, I think at the end of the day, we just want a young player who's healthy, who can put another 20 points on average in the playoffs and, you know, wants to be in New York. I think Donovan Mitchell would be a fantastic person. He's hanging out with New York Knicks regime all the time. I think he was playing golf with Allen Houston recently. He's hanging out with Spike Lee. I mean, it seems like the inevitable that Donovan Mitchell will be a Nick next year, but you know, that's kind of my theory. I don't think we need to jump out the window and trade anybody immediately going towards Tibbs. I think, you know, anyone who, you know, Hey, should we bring in a coach? Who are we going to replace him with? If anybody says who are we going to replace Thibodeau with? Well, let's get a, a coach in here who would rank top 10 and top 10 in offense and in defense, right? That's Tibbs. I mean, at the end of the day, no one's perfect. Unless you're getting a Spolstra or you're getting maybe a Ty Lue, you know, there's no, there's no sense of making a coaching change. One knock on the Knicks over the past decade or so or 20 years has been lack of consistency. So what are we going to do? We're going to get rid of the coach, which then will get rid of Jalen Brunson's dad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what are we doing here? You know, at the end of the day, we all want our coach to be on the same page. That's a fair you know what point. I mean? Like, what are we doing? It That's doesn't make any point, sense. Steve. We're going to get rid of coach. We're going to get rid of the star player's dad. Like, okay, you know, yeah. way to go. Listen, now we look listen, inconsistent the coach, again. The co- look, and like I explained earlier, and thanks for the call, Steve, it could get, you know, it, things change quickly in professional sports and in the NBA. But the Knicks, the, the coach being on the hot seat 
or a topic of conversation, that's a topic of conversation among Knicks fans right now. That's that's not a huge – you don't hear that anywhere outside of callers to the station who are frustrated by some of the things that Tom Thibodeau does. But like I said repeatedly, he's not a perfect coach and nobody's a perfect coach. He's a better coach than anybody they've had this century. He's the best coach of this century, bar none. Since Jeff Van Gundy left in 2001, Tom Thibodeau has done uh, the best job. The problem with preaching patience, and I agree, that's, look, first of all, that's the path that Leon Rose has taken, and that's the path that has gotten them to this point. They haven't made any rash moves. Um, The one chance they had to, you know, kind of jump and overpay for a star like Knicks regimes of the past would have done was the Donovan Mitchell trade. And I do agree. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, boy, that guy is dying to come to New York. He's all over the place in the city. I mean, you you actually see Donovan Mitchell out and about more than any athlete in this town, except for maybe Aaron Rodgers. He's everywhere. I mean, I know he's from here, and it's the offseason, and you know his dad works for the Mets, and he's based out of New York, but... The guy could be anywhere he wants. He could be in L.A. He Well, he's probably doesn't want to be in Cleveland. Um, but he's in New York all the time. It's he, He's dying to be a Nick. And, and he saw firsthand. He saw firsthand what the garden is like when it's lit up in the postseason. And this is this is what the Knicks have to start using to their advantage as well. Because we had that one. I think it was Omar. I think Omar, one of his uh, handful of points he made was that the Lakers are really the only team that has had a lot of success recently. They won the championship in 2020. They made the conference finals this past year, and I did not include them among my teams that their foundation was built through the draft because it hasn't been. But they're Los Angeles. They were able to get to that championship level because LeBron James wanted to move to Los Angeles. He wanted to live there. He wanted to base his entertainment and media company out of there, and he wanted to raise his family there. That's why... The Lakers were able to win a championship. And then once LeBron went there, then Anthony Davis went there. And once you have LeBron and Anthony Davis in their primes, it becomes that much more of an attractive spot to bring in those ancillary pieces. But Los Angeles has that advantage. It's the glamour franchise in the NBA. It's got perfect weather. It's got celebrities. It's got business it's got technology it's got a lot of things that professional athletes with a lot of money and a lot of investment opportunities are looking for these days so does new york outside of the weather okay so does new york except like i explained earlier in the show the knicks because they haven't been a top franchise in the nba and they've struggled on the court for so long they kind of lost that built-in advantage that New York has because New York has always had those opportunities. They've always had celebrities going to the garden. They've always been the center of business and finance and commerce and um, socializing and, and things like that. But that only takes you so far, right? When you're 17 and 65 in the 2015 season, and then you're 17 and 65 again in the 2019 season, Nobody wants to come and play in that sort of environment. Well, the Knicks have had to kind of dig themselves out of that hole, and they're at the point now where they can once again start to use New York City, this market, and Madison Square Garden 
as real assets in their pursuit of star players, but it doesn't happen overnight. You know, that kind of went away over, you know, the 2000s, the 2010s. Those advantages went away. They're starting to come back. COVID also didn't help. You know, the first year that Tom Thibodeau came in and led this team to the playoffs, fans weren't allowed in the building. So that was unfortunate timing. COVID was unfortunate timing, as we all know. But now that we continue to move past that, the Knicks had their run last year. That building was unbelievable, whether you were watching on TV, whether you were in the stands, or whether you were on the court like Donovan Mitchell was. You noticed, and now the Knicks need to use that as another avenue and another selling point to continue to build up this roster. Pat O'Keefe with you on 98.7 ESPN New York. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. On this 4th of July weekend, the patriotic melodies continue. Great setting in St. Louis right now if you happen to have the Yankees-Cardinals game on at Bush Stadium. Two classic franchises, two classic uniforms. On uh, what seems to be a gorgeous day in St. Louis, finally, the weather hasn't cooperated so far this weekend. Uh, Yankees went 1-2-3 in the top of the first inning against Jordan Montgomery, who needed only eight pitches to get through LeMahieu, Torres, and Stanton. Rizzo's not playing today. Josh Donaldson is not playing today, although that's not a bad thing at all. It's Garrett Cole on the mound for the Yanks against the aforementioned Jordan Montgomery. Let's go back to the phones and bring in Spike in St. Pete. Hey, Spike, how you doing? I'm doing good. I love hearing you. I echo my dear friend Buddha's uh, compliments about talking to you. Uh, you hit everything. You got all the regular callers. You know, Buddha and I are pretty close. And, you know, he speaks with such alacrity and preciseness, and he's a Sixer fan. So uh, it's nice to hear that. Everyone's been pointed on. First of all, Jeremy Grant uh, – Part of the uh, Damian Lillard uh, issue was Grant was a prerequisite to him staying there. Now, in sports and business, even at your station, stuff like that happens. You know, pull the rug out from underneath him. I wouldn't be surprised. It's a player's league. Uh, I'm reflecting back. You know, I'm quite old. Fifty years ago, I called John Sterling on MCA, an AM station. He was doing sports talk and talking Knicks. That was the championship season. And my dear friend Bill Daughtry was covering the Islanders. So everyone's still around, and we're still talking about it. Amazing. And you know from television and from radio, you talk Knicks, you'll fill up the lines all day long. It's a tremendous season we had this year. And you always do a good job on the pre and pre and post. It's tremendous season. The draft, I know Leon Rose for 30 years. He's out of Cherry Hill, New Jersey. He made the one mistake. Obi was a bad pick. It, it's easy after the fact, Pat, to say, well, we could have gotten picked so-and-so. I go back to the 1960s. They picked a guy named Paul Hogue out of Cincinnati. And you were right. When the top picks were picked then, they often uh, were five-year players. The NBA made a very poor decision uh, in shortening the contracts. You know, I remember contracts are five years, six years, like they do in hockey now. But I'm happy with the Knicks. I think Deuce McBride from West Virginia will be the backup point guard eventually. He's a tremendous defensive player. And uh, you're right, too. Quickly and Grimes, draft picks have been good. Oh, it was a mistake. That's all. We never thought Julius Randle would be so good. And well, then that's part so of it, Spike. Part, part of it, right. and, and, yeah, and it was a mistake. And, and I, I will say this. It was, it was a mistake in, in real time because I remember following along with that draft and what position did the Knicks need at that time? Like they needed every year until last year. 
which was a point That's guard. Right. And every and, and Halliburton right. was projected by it seemed like everybody as the sleeper of the draft and maybe a top four or a top five pick, and he was still available to them at number eight. And I honestly I think got it. that was that was Rose's first draft. And I think Toppin was probably the safer pick. He was the more established pick. He was the bigger name. And I think they were I think they were swayed by the star power of Obi Toppin, which is why they went with him over Tyrese Halliburton. But that's correct. But but Toppin also played at Dayton like Don May in the championship years. And I'll leave you with this. Just remember, Sacramento took Halliburton. They had Fox. Fox is the better player. He better just the better player. Halliburton's a solid player. But they made the move because they needed the, the power guy underneath, and they just signed uh, Sabonis' kid. Who's, who They needed him to a long-term contract. So Sacramento winds up in a better spot because their management, and they haven't been in the playoffs in 88 years, winds up increasing their team and, and filling up the, the, the stadium. They got a good young core. They had to give up on something. And Halliburton, I, first time I saw him in college, what is he shooting? He looks like Kevin Martin. He was shooting from his hip. But the kid turned out to be a very good player. Defensively is another thing. No one plays defense until the playoffs. But I think the Knicks are a tremendous year. It was alluring. It was interesting to watch and look forward to it. And you're right about that. I had to give up my season tickets. I moved and all that. But I'll tell you, there's nothing like to go up. And you're right about Donovan Mitchell. I do not think he will be a Nick. I don't think they want – he's all 6'1", and, and, and Brunson's all 6'1". It's tough in the NBA. You need the bigger guy. Someone mentioned before Shea Gilgis Alexander, also a Kentucky kid. That turned out, too. We missed on him. Yep, you know, sure you, you, you can't hit them all. Pat, good to hear you, and Thanks, uh, keep up the good work. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Spike. Yeah, uh, the Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton, by the way, you show how, you look at how things diverge. Halliburton, during this free agent frenzy, just signed a $260 million contract extension. He was picked 12th in 2020, just signed a $260 million contract. Obi Toppin, who was picked four spots ahead of Halliburton, was just traded to the Pacers. Halliburton's team, by the way, for two second-round draft picks. That's why Sacramento played that thing perfectly, which you can't say often. And you hear all the time people saying, well, you draft for need as opposed to picking the most talented player. That's one example of what happens when you pick the most talented player. Always draft the asset because they did have De'Aaron Fox as their starting point guard. So there was some overlap with Fox and Halliburton. And they played together for a while, and it was good at some times, and they still needed to figure it out. And then they saw an opportunity to trade Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis. And once that happened, Fox became an all-star. Sabonis gave them the front court presence that they needed in Sacramento. And Halliburton has flourished in Indiana. He was leading the NBA in assists before he was injured last season. So that's one of those trades that absolutely worked out for everyone. But that doesn't happen for Sacramento if they decided in 2020, well, we already have a point guard in De'Aaron Fox, so we don't need Tyrese Halliburton. We're going to go for a different position of need. That's why you don't do that. Now, the Obi Toppin thing, and I said this to, to Spike, I think that's what happened to the Knicks. I feel that if the Knicks and Leon Rose were presented with that scenario, even in 2021 or 2022, I think they would have selected differently. But remember, Leon Rose was hired as the Knicks president in March of 2020 weeks before the league was shut down for COVID. And then, obviously, the NBA went away when the world stopped. And when the season resumed, the Knicks were not part of the bubble. 
which actually gave them an advantage to help put things together for the upcoming season because they didn't have to worry about playing games. They hired Tom Thibodeau. They got their players, led by Julius Randle, in the gym working towards next season, and you saw the results the following season. So they kind of got a jump start on the following season. And then the draft came up that year in November because everything had been pushed back. The NBA championship, which the Lakers won in Orlando, wasn't played until October. The draft was in November, and it was Leon Rose's first draft. Had never run a draft before, had never been a front office executive. He was an agent. And his first go-through with this, I really do think he went with the safe pick. And I think Obi Toppin was the safe pick because he was a local kid. But even more than that, in this era where college basketball stars do not exist like they did 30 years ago. You know, there's no Christian Leitners or Shaquille O'Neal's or Alonzo Mornings or Bobby Hurley's anymore. But Obi Toppin, that one year at Dayton, was the closest thing to that because he was so exciting and he was starring on a mid-major team. It had a little bit of a feel of Stephen Curry back when he was at Davidson. So Toppin, the pick of Obi Toppin, was, I think, the safe pick for the Knicks front office. And I think going for Tyrese Halliburton, who the experts said was the sleeper of the draft, but he didn't have a big pedigree. He didn't have a big personality. He played for Iowa State. You didn't see him on television all the time. I think that would have been more of a risky pick. And I I honestly feel that that played into the Knicks choosing Toppin over Tyrese Halliburton. And, and you really wish they didn't because things could have been completely different. Um, but of the three that I laid out, 2017 Neil Aquina, 2018 Knox, and 2020 Toppin, Toppin's the best player. I still think Toppin – I wouldn't be shocked if Toppin goes out next year and averages 14 points and seven rebounds a game. I wouldn't, given an opportunity with the Pacers. The timing just never works with Obi Toppin, unfortunately. He's a likable guy, and he drummed up a lot of excitement when the Knicks got him, but he got here – at the exact same time that Julius Randle's career took off. And he and Randle play the same position. And Tom Thibodeau plays his stars and his veterans 35, 36 minutes a game. And that did not leave much for Obi Toppin. So unfortunately, it didn't work out. Yankees got through the bottom of the first inning unscathed. Scoreless in St. Louis. We'll continue to follow that along, plus more of our Knicks and NBA conversation on 98.7 ESPN New York. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. And let me just say this about Damian Lillard before I hop back on the phones with you all. Obviously, the trade request made by Lillard a couple of days ago, and he will be on the move, whether it's to Miami, whether it's to Brooklyn, uh, whether it's uh, to the Clippers or another location, he'll be on the move. You know, the Lillard thing, and I know this has been said, but and, and I felt largely the same way, and I, I feel the need to say it now. The Lillard thing did get out of hand with um, the, the praise that was heaped upon this guy for his years of loyalty and his years of service to the city of Portland and the Trailblazers organization. This is a guy who is on one of the, I'm not going to say one of the worst contracts in the NBA because he's a highly productive player. He only played 58 games this year, but I also think he would have played more if they didn't hold him out towards the end to try to get a, a better draft position, which worked, by the way. They moved up to number three in the lottery and got Scoot Henderson out of it, so it absolutely worked. He was having a great season, probably his best statistical season. He's played in big games. He's hit big shots. He was 
on the 75th anniversary All-NBA team, which I think maybe he shouldn't have been. He would have been one of my last picks, first omissions, but we don't need to quibble about that. He's had a terrific career, but he's on one of the most expensive contracts in the NBA, which means that he is highly, highly compensated. He has been able to dictate terms to that franchise for the last five years because it's one of those franchises that's really the opposite of the Lakers or Miami or what the Knicks hope to become again. Portland is not a destination. So when they strike gold by picking Damian Lillard sixth overall and he turns into, out of Weber State, what he has turned into, they struck gold. You're never going to get a guy of that caliber to come to your city and stay in your city unless you happen to draft him. But let's be honest, and I'm not saying Lillard's a bad guy because I don't think he is a bad guy, but he held that franchise hostage for the last, you know, four years because of that reason. You know, he walked around like, I'm too good for this franchise. I'm uh, too good for this city. And I think he acted. And they had to basically bend to every one of his whims. And now I'm listening to the Zach Lowe podcast um, through ESPN. And he had Bobby Marks on, who's all over this free agency thing, the ESPN front office insider. And it was funny. I was listening to the podcast. And while they were taping the podcast, the news broke that Lillard had uh, requested the trade or demanded the trade. And even though I'm listening to the podcast a couple of days later, they're reacting to it live. So it's kind of an interesting uh, listen on that podcast. So you got to hear their immediate reaction. And then they got into a little bit of a debate, these two smart NBA analysts, about, well, if you're Portland and Miami's where Damian Lillard wants to go, but if the Nets can offer a much better package, how do you handle that? And I'm thinking, are, are you – out of your mind that this is even a question? So even though you've already paid him more than anybody in the NBA, he's going to be making $60 million a year by the time his contract expires. So you've already done that for him. And you're going to acquiesce to his trade request. But now you have to trade him where, you, where he wants to go, even though that won't give you the largest return? I mean, have I gone completely crazy? Is, has th is this really how the world works right now? He doesn't have a no-trade clause like Bradley Beal somehow was able to negotiate with Washington. There's no no-trade clause here. He wants to get traded. We're shipping you to the place that's going to set our franchise up. There's no golden parachute here where, yeah, we'll take a hit and we're not going to get back as good a package from Miami as Brooklyn. But as long as you're happy, Damian, in addition to having already paid you a contract that will be $60 million a year before it expires. I mean, it is just unbelievable to me that that's even a topic of conversation between two highly intelligent NBA analysts. And I'm not coming down on them, but that's just that's where the league is right now. He's leaving your team. You don't have to kiss his rear end anymore. It's been kissed up and down, side to side. Be gone, and we're going to move on, and we're going to set ourselves up as best we can going forward because, as you have requested, you do not want to be a part of that. It's unbelievable. All right, back to the phones. Manny and Flushing. Manny, what's going on? Hello? Hey, how you doing? Pat? How hey, you doing? What's up, man? Good. Uh, I, I know that, Minister Gu, you mentioned about draft picks and 
Manny, are you there? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know you mentioned about graphics and stuff, but um, you forgot one team that you left out. Even though they never won a championship, but they at least that they were easy to contend. The Oklahoma City Thunder, when they had Durant, Westbrook, and Ibaka and Harden during the early 2010s, in which they got to the playoffs, including the finals appearances in 2012. Yeah, I don't think, and you're right. There, I don't think, but that's going back further than than I was uh, talking about. But yeah, I don't think yeah. historically there's a franchise that has drafted better um, than Oklahoma City. I mean, to be able to get those guys that you mentioned in such a short period of time, that's how they became kind of the team with the youngest nucleus ever to make the NBA Finals when they went and lost to the Heat in 2012. So yeah, I just wasn't going back that far. I'm just using recent examples: Denver, Boston, Golden right. State, Milwaukee, Phoenix, and Philadelphia, and Miami. Right, gotcha, gotcha. Because um, I'm just, you know, I, 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 my, 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 I'm just, I'm just putting it out there because you think about, you know, you think, you think about this, like you look at the Suns specifically, like you can say it's one of the few teams that they built the draft, but they never got over over the hump. I mean, outside that 2021 finals, which they almost at one point were up two games to none, they couldn't get it done. And even last year, where they had the best record in the NBA. And up 2-0 against a Mavericks team with a with Luca Jalen Brunson, by the way, in the second round, they couldn't get over the hump. And and you now they since then they got a new coach. Let's trade Chris Paul to another superstar in Bradley Beal. And the question is, can they open the hump? Because I think they're one of the few teams that never won a title, if I'm mistaken. Yeah, they have they're never won a title. League. They they went to the for finals. In, years. Uh, they went yeah, Maddie. Thanks for the call. They went to the finals in '76, lost to the Celtics. They lost to the MJ and the Bulls in '93, and then they lost two years ago uh, to the Bucks. But to to my point, it's not all about just winning a championship, right? All those teams I mentioned, they haven't all won. Like Denver's won, Golden State's won, Milwaukee's won. But in the cases of Boston, Philadelphia, Miami, or the team you just mentioned, Phoenix, like Phoenix in the last three years, I know they haven't gotten over the hump, but if you're a Knicks fan, would you not prefer the level of success that Phoenix has had over the last three years to what your team has had. I know the Knicks are on an upward trend, but Phoenix went to the finals and lost. Then they had the best record in the NBA during the regular season. Disappointing exit in the second round of the playoffs, but a second round exit nonetheless. And then they lost in the second round of the playoffs this year. And who knows what Phoenix is going to be? I don't think they're the favorites in the West, but they're certainly an intriguing team and one that I wouldn't write off with Devin Booker, Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal. So that's my point. It's not all about just winning the championship. It's about being one of the best teams in the NBA over a sustained period of time. And Phoenix has done that. You can trace it back to one transaction, and it was the drafting of Devin Booker, 13th overall, back in 2015. More on this as we continue on 98.7 ESPN New York. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. I wish I had somebody to come and sing this. That's an absolute classic. Tom Bauer, uh, as promised, with our grand finale. You and Joe Leo doing a great job producing the show with the patriotic melodies all afternoon. Hope everyone's having a great 4th of July weekend. Uh, the holiday itself on Tuesday. Hope everyone celebrates safe and responsibly, but does get a chance to celebrate. Uh, looks like a pretty nice day outside in the New York City area, so hope you can get out and about wherever you are. A couple more minutes on the show. It's been a... 
Uh, great one this afternoon. Thanks to the never-ending NBA news cycle. Uh, quick program reminder, we do have the Mets game right here on 98.7 ESPN New York tonight as they look for the series victory against the Giants. Uh, first pitch at 7 o'clock from City Field. Boog Shiambi, the pride of Regis High School, on the call with Tim Kirkshin. And our coverage begins right here at 6 p.m. All right, Lee, got a few more minutes, so let's head back to the phones. Dave's been waiting patiently in the car. Hopefully it hasn't run out of gas. Dave, how you doing? No, everything's fine. Good. And I was just uh, saying that uh, you were just bringing up something about Lillard, so I'll say that first. He deserves every single penny he ever gets. The guy's a a true superstar. I like Leon Rose. I like Thibodeau, but uh, I'm I'm tired of being sad. I'm just so used to being sad. Porzingis came out publicly and said, I want to go back to the Knicks. Brad Stevens is another genius. He picks him up. The Celtics now have three guys on the team who are better than anybody on the New York Knicks. So I'm not saying the Knicks are going to be worse. The other teams are getting better. Dave, 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 come on. Are you oh, saying Porzingis? I'm not going to hang up on you. Wait, I'm just, let me, I just want to clarify. You're saying Porzingis. I'm not hanging up thing. on you. Let me make my point or yeah. I will. Are you saying Porzingis yeah. is better than anybody on the Knicks right now? Absolutely true. Yeah, no, he can get 25 no, points right. any we'll, night of the week. Any night of any the week. Any night that he decides to play. Three. Any night of the week he decides to play. He had one. He, decide, no, he's he, had one, he, he had one good season. He had one full season, and it was last year when he was coming up on a contract. It's not we a coincidence. We understand the guy's been injured. I'm telling what you What has the right guy now, ever won? Okay? What has he ever done in the NBA you, that has led to could, winning? Go ahead. Finish your okay, point, Dave. We only got a couple minutes left. I'll give you the other point. Here's the other point. Um, Giannis had a very, very bad back. You, you can't count on him having a bad back. They're going to be better than the Knicks this year. And Pat Riley is another genius. He's going to do whatever he has to do to get Lillard. If Lillard goes on the heat, they are they are way better than the Knicks. Okay, so it's not that the Knicks are getting worse. It's that other people are getting better. I'm not even going to mention the West. I'm just saying the Knicks, the best they're going to do is second round and bye-bye. They might even be do, do first round. And bye bye, uh, unless they, unless some miracle happens, which is not going. They're not even going for Lillard. They don't. They let that go by. Dante Divincenzo is not going to win the Knicks championship. He's not going to get them there. Okay, the draft you're saying is you build through the draft. The Knicks built through the draft. They had the number one pick in the draft, and they at least got to the finals twice. You know, this was a miracle. The 41 first pick in the draft ended up being not only a good pick. He's arguably the best player in the league. That's why they won. He's the best player in the league. You need superstars. You can't name me one team in 100 years of the NBA since they started the NBA, because there's only one team, it's the Detroit Pistons, that didn't have a true superstar on their team that won the championship. Dave, name I'm going to let team. you run. You mentioned the Pistons. You were right. I'm going to try to get a couple more calls in here. Uh, but Porzingis was not the answer for the Knicks. They tried it just because Porzingis said he wanted to come back to New York. No, thank you. Hard pass on James Harden. Hard pass on Chris Stapps Porzingis. The one time the guy ever got to play in the playoffs, the first playoff game he was ever in, in the bubble in Orlando, he gets ejected in the third quarter of his first game. The guy's not a winning basketball player. He's a head case. He's selfish. He showed that in the way he forced his way out of town and his actions before then. And you want to turn around four years later and bring that clown back here? Absolutely not. Uh, And we'll wrap it up on this. Um... The Knicks had two rookies in their playing rotation in 2021. Now, I know they didn't go to the finals, but they also 
and this is Tom Thibodeau's first year, where this era of Knicks basketball essentially started. Leon Rose as president, World Wide West in the front office, and Tom Thibodeau, most importantly, as head coach. And that year, that's when Leon had his first draft. And yeah, I, I just pointed out throughout the show that the OB Toppin pick over Tyrese Halliburton was a miss. But the OB Toppin pick, I do think that the future will show is not a disaster of a pick. I think there's still a career in there for Obi Toppin. As opposed to Frank Nilakina, who the ship has sailed on him, and the ship has certainly sailed on Kevin Knox. Neither one of them Leon Rose draft picks. I think over time, with this new opportunity in this new location in Indiana, I think Obi Toppin's going to become a productive NBA player. The timing wasn't, wasn't right for Obi in New York. He got to New York at a time when the guy who he backed up had a an epiphany and his career turned around under Tom Thibodeau as his new head coach. Bad timing. That being said, the caller said that the Knicks would never put rookies in prominent positions in the finals game. Well, first of all, if they're ever lucky enough to get to a finals game, that would be great. But in Tom Thibodeau's first year, Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly, two rookies were put in prominent positions, prominent meaning rotation positions off the Knicks bench in that five-game first-round series loss to the Atlanta Hawks. So that's not necessarily true. Now, what was the difference between that Knicks team and this Denver team? Well, there was a lot that was different. Most notably, if you're Christian Brown, the rookie this year out of Kansas, who was very productive in the NBA Finals and throughout the playoffs after being picked 21st in last year's draft, it's a lot easier when you have to be an ancillary piece on a team that's centered by Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. That was not the case with the Knicks in 2021 on a team that was centered by a struggling Julius Randle in those playoffs. So yeah, Christian Brown was a nice story, but it's a lot easier to do that when your teammates and the centerpiece of your team are Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Uh, great job today by all the callers, all well, most of the callers, let's be honest, but great job. I appreciate your participation as always. Uh, Tom Bauer and Joe Leo worked hard today on this Sunday, this holiday weekend Sunday. Enjoy the rest of it, fellas. Good job producing the show. I'll be back here uh, Friday night, uh, 6.30, right after the Michael K. Show. Enjoy the holiday, everyone.